This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Happy 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Woohoo! Holla what? Halloweeny. No way. <laughs> this is Reformation Day. Now, even though many of you will spend your day collecting candy with your children, or as adults, you'll go dress up like a child and do weird things to get candy off people, um, and I will be doing that as well. Most importantly, today is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. So um, I wanted to invite a special guest today, Jeremy Ellis, who's been on the podcast with us multiple times. Jeremy is, uh, you know, I just got to say, there's nobody I'd rather have on this podcast. If we had John Rocky here with us, this would be a perfect There's trifecta. no one that you'd rather have on this podcast when you need somebody in two hours that can talk about <laughs> the Reformation. <laughs> Who do I know that knows a lot about the Reformation? Jeremy Ellis. So, Jeremy, um, let's get into this. We have four questions we want to answer. First question is very simply, what is the Reformation? Because this word floats around the ether, but I don't think a lot of people can, can sink their teeth into it. Well, the Reformation was an event that lasted, a lot of people say, on beginning on October 31st, 1517, all the way up for about 130 years until there was a war between war, Catholics and Protestants. So it lasted that many years, but what we think is primarily more on the, the first few years of it. And it started with Martin Luther, the uh, at the time, Catholic teacher and person very involved in, in the Catholic faith. He's got an incredible biography, but I'll lead up to the good stuff. He, he, he's a guy who, who, in his life, I think he's, he's unhappy with how he thinks and what confidence he can have that he's going to really get salvation. Mm. And so he's going through you know, a lot of issues in his life. There's a story with he's going through a storm. And he becomes a monk because God gets him out of this really nasty thunderstorm. Have you ever been in a really nasty thunderstorm? Like I was w with one in Colorado with you. It was, it <laughs> was, was horrible. Awesome. And I was you at the top of a mountain, mountain. <laughs> and you really will say things and, and like, you're like, God, if you do this for me, get me out of this. We were, we were at the bottom of the mountain and we were in the car for no joke, like an hour and a half. We're yeah. like, where's Jeremy and where's John? And you came down and you were so mad. We were like, is he dead? Did he get struck by light? It was terrible. Yeah. So on the top of a mountain, there's no trees. There's no cover. You're in the, and they say, get out of there by <laughs> afternoon because storms come. I was a little bit slow. That's a great a little story. Bit out of shape. And, I, and when you're right near the, the thunder, the lightning as it's like coming down, like initiating from that point, you're really scared. So I can, I can sympathize with, with yeah. Luther. Like at, at 11,000 or 12,000 feet, the tree line stops and, and we were up 14,000. So to come down, I don't, we got down quicker than you did. I think you were dandying around and... Exactly. But, yeah, uh, I don't know what happened. You guys are just super fast. You and Jeff we're just so uh, ripped and, and in shape. Exactly. Martin Luther is there is basically for the most part one church, the Catholic Church at this time, and he's starting to rebel against it. He doesn't like a lot of things. He doesn't like the confidence that he has in in his salvation. But but even more than that, he sees um, John Tetzel, who is a guy who is selling what is called indulgences, which is basically if you give money to the Catholic Church because they needed to. Uh, repair and rebuild one of one of the churches in Rome, that you will have less time in purgatory. And he really sees that as contrary to the Bible. He puts the 95 Theses, supposedly he just gave them to the person in charge of the local Catholic church. I'm not sure if he really nailed them, but it makes for a really good story. And these 95 Theses, for the most part, revolved around indulgences, this, this selling of things and giving money to the church to get your sins forgiven. 
and to get less time in in purgatory. And he found that to be false, that there wasn't, even though there had been some history with that, it wasn't as if it was a new belief, but he did not like that. He did not find it contrary to scripture. And it was the starting point for mm. the Reformation. Yeah, I think one of the things you hit on the head is one of his greatest personal struggles, other than flatulence, true story, was <laughs> the Catholic Church was teaching and it still does to a very, very clear degree, according to the Roman, the, the, their current catechism, uh, works-based salvation. And one of the things Martin Luther understood, I think uniquely amongst historical figures, was his own personal sin and depravity. Uh, he understood that if it is by works, he's really going to have no basis to get in. But then he started seeing some of these unethical practices like indulgences. Like when when was it ever okay biblically for God's people to give God's, to give their money, which many of them were poverty-stricken, uh, so that they could repair and build a church so that the popes could live fat and happy. And again, it was just a very different different time, a different world, different, everything was very different. But one of the things he saw legitimately was the injustices of how the money was spent, how the poor were being taken advantage of. And and then he opened up his Bible. And uh, this is where things kind of came alive for him. And, and you start asking questions. I mean, I grew up in Catholic school find purgatory in the scriptures. And, and really, this is not about Bash Catholics podcast, but um, one of the things that we have to be able to do is open up our scriptures and make sure that whatever teaching we have is consistent and upholds the Word of God. Martin Luther saw that. One of the, one of the great uh, problems he exposed is he said, if the Pope actually had authority to release saints from purgatory uh, with the stroke of a pen, then why not release all the saints in purgatory all at once as an act of great mercy? <laughs> and he said, well, Obviously, he wouldn't do that because that's not convenient for his bottom line. And that was actually true. And uh, But the reality is the Bible does not teach purgatory, and uh, the Pope does not have authority to take souls out of a place that doesn't exist. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it any better, which is I don't like the current Pope 100%. How can you as a Protestant? But at least he is one who—he has a totally different mindset— when it comes to the poor, he he really does practice when he when he preaches in that respect. I'm not saying I agree with him on justification and, and the core points of what makes a Protestant a Protestant, but I give him props for for that. Yeah. So one of the fundamental differences is that Martin Luther came to a place where he rejected a doctrine called justification by works or faith and works, which was a Roman Catholic doctrine, and that the basic sentiment is, Jeremy, you would be made right with God, or you would be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ and his shed blood, plus your good works, and that the two would combine, and this would would create, uh, we'll say, your justification or your rightness with God. And Luther said, no. Uh, he got to a point where he said, no, justification is by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, <laughs> yep. for the glory of God alone. God alone. Yeah, and so those those alone things are are these sentiments that came out of the out of the Reformation. Totally, you're 100 percent correct. And um, with Luther, it's it's interesting that when I went to Trinity, we have Lutheran, we have Reformed, we have somewhat Anabaptist people, we have Anglican all in one building. And it is interesting that Luther he had some of his beliefs where he got to he would he would have a I don't know, completely agree with everything Luther said. While he did believe in faith alone, he also believes that babies can have this, you know, sort of some sort of like baby faith too. So, you know, while it's a Reformation day, we can't even always agree with everything that Luther oh, yeah. said yep. too. But uh, yep, 
I think what you're hitting on the head, though, is that Luther had a lot of weird ideas, but Luther, Luther's theology evolved. Um, and so that's also one of the really important things to note is when you read Luther's writings, which era of Luther's life are you reading? Everybody evolves to a degree, and um, but that, that, that becomes very important. Now, Jeremy, I want you to imagine it's what year? 1517. <laughs> it's 1517. I'm Martin Luther, and I go up to the door of the church in Wittenberg, and I and I nail my 95 theses. I don't know what accent that is. It feels right. <laughs> what is a thesis? And is is the plural of thesis theses? <laughs> That's a good point. I think it's like the word series. Series can be plural or singular because it's, it's yeah. I think a thesis is just it's just a point. It just mm-hmm. says 95 points. These are my 95 yep. points of disagreement with the prevailing theology yeah. of the time. I like how he didn't do like three. <laughs> he like That's a lot, I know. He took the time. And they didn't have computers, you know, like they're sitting there writing it out, like 95 of these. Like that that's that's incredible. All right. So here's a question for you. Um, has the Reformation ended? If so, when? And if not, why not? Well, that's that's a really big an important question. As an historical event, the Reformation is over in the sense that most, if not all historians say it ended in the early 1600s. So it was 120 or 30 years. But is the uh, are the implications of the Reformation still ongoing? And I would answer that yes. Even though it's odd that there are some evangelicals, Protestant evangelicals, who seem to think that Catholics and Protestants don't really have any disagreements on justification. They haven't read the Council of Trent, the current Catholic Catechism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty, over time. Yeah. Over the last twenty years, there have been groups from that are Catholic and mm-hmm. groups that are Protestant that have come together to try to iron out some of their differences. Differences Michael was talking about earlier, and the difference is: is justification a renewal of the inner person, or is it just a forensic declaration? The difference is: is is justification this this act? Do I get made right in God's sight? By trusting in God through through baptism, through getting rid of my original sin, so which is the, what the Catholics the would things say. that a Catholic would say, and yep. also by completing that through obedience to Christ or through acts of love, is do I need to you know do something in order to to be made right with God's help? Of course, they would say it's through the help of the Spirit, but mm-hmm. is that really how one is made right? And yep. Catholics would say yes, and Protestants would say no. But there's Protestants even really. Well-known ones. I was just listening to a podcast where Al Mohler was talking to Kevin Van Hooser, who is one of the best Protestant theologians in the world. And he even said in that podcast, which I was shocked, that he didn't think Protestants and Catholics had a difference in justification today. He thinks that's pretty much been smoothed over. The real problems are who has the power in the church? Is it the the, the magisterium, the, the Catholic teaching office? What about power of the pope? What about some other beliefs? He thinks, yes, those are the problems, and really the problem is not justification anymore. I was surprised to hear that. I would need to see any shift in the current Catholic catechism. So there's been no rejection. So this is a little dweeb talk for everybody listening here. But the Council of Trent said, uh, let anybody who believes that salvation is by justification through faith alone be anathema or accursed. Literally, that's what the Book of Romans teaches. And the Council or the Catholic catechism as a to date, has never adjusted that statement, yeah. and its teaching is still contrary to justification right. by faith alone. The Counter-Reformation was the the Catholic Church's response to a number of things, and one of which and was the Reformation. A bit. You know, you know, thirty, forty years later, they had to, we had we had to have a response. We're losing people, we're losing power, and Luther was Countries. he was he was really gaining power. He was a he was a, a 
the average person just loved him for a bunch of crazy things he did. So today, if you want to say, what does the Catholic Church teach? They have an actual book. It's called The Catholic Catechism. I think the most recent one was in 1994. And if you want to really find out what they believe, it's about as big as the Bible. It's a big, thick book, maybe a little bit smaller print, but, but they actually quote pretty much word for word what the Council of Trent said, which was this response to Martin Luther. So I don't think their sentiments have changed. And uh, for some reason, there's even um, evangelicals, Protestant evangelicals who think that we really don't have these significant problems on justification anymore, when I th- I think they do. There's other There are other uh, Protestants, think of, I hate the name drop so much, but N.T. Wright, who's probably the most semi-conservative theologian in the world, who has said, well, okay, maybe there are some problems, some differences between Catholics and Protestants, but we're not saved by doctrine. We're saved by whether or not we have— um, been justified, whether or not we have been given new life in union with Christ. So, yes, we might have differences doctrinally, but you're not saved by that. You're saved by what God does to you, as if there is not a one-to-one correspondence between mm. what you believe and the state of your relationship to Christ. Yeah, that's really, really slippery. One one of my personal challenges is when I when I talk to Catholics is that we will use similar words. But we will actually mean different things. So what yep. we mean when we say justification, this act of being made right by God, some Catholics will actually use the word sanctification. Right. And what we mean by sanctification, they actually mean justification. Once you kind of get past that veneer of vocabulary differences, because the Protestant and, and Catholic traditions have theologically evolved in two separate vacuums. I mean, we're not—for the last 500 years, we by and large have not been talking to each other, and we developed our own theological vernacular and vocabulary. And once you get past the veneer of the vocabulary and you get down to the basic ideas, uh, it is really hard for me— um, understanding still Catholic doctrine, like the treasury of merit, uh, this uh, celestial accumulation of good works that can be taken from one person's account and put into another person's account to take away from their time and per. You know, what I mean, there's all these weird aspects of baptism being the r- removal of original sin and not faith in Christ. Um, there, are th- there's this core of their conviction about salvation that makes it really, really hard for me to say that we're kind of even at all on the same page on the gospel, although we're on the same page with the Trinity and the deity of Christ and the nature of God and so many other things. Abortion. Abortion, oh my goodness. In fact, I'm actually, I think the Roman Catholics put Protestants to shame on their pro-life priorities. So that's where I get really frustrated. But this is what Martin Luther saw. Like the beginning of this is what he was going after is there's something unbiblical about their view of how somebody gets to heaven. One of the things I love about Martin Luther that he did is is uh, he separated himself. He translated the Bible into German, and he made the Bible um, basically in the common man's language, which was profoundly transformative for the country of Germany and uh, just absolutely transformed the way we even understand the personal, like the lay person's relationship with scriptures. Um, the, the Roman Catholic Church did not want the Bible in the common language of a man. They wanted it to remain in the Latin translation, the Latin Vulgate. And uh, because their concern was that if you give the Bible to every man, there will be thousands and thousands right. of, of denominations, if you will. And oh, they were right. Happened, yeah. <laughs> and they were right. But when you centralize all the authority of the church and you don't even give the common man the Bible in his own language to even self-check or to learn or to grow, that's a serious 
challenge. And, and Martin Luther said, no, I'm, go- I'm going to, I'm going to figure this thing out and uh, I'm going to put the Bible in the language of the common man. And it transformed our world. Uh-huh. Those are some of the implications of the Reformation. Good implications are, I think we get back to the solas, which we talked about, sola mm-hmm. grace, sola faith, sola. Yep. Can you explain the five solas and where they came from and why they're super important? Because they're think, a response to Roman I think the, the solas are kind of the theological, you know, central ideas of the Reformation. You have a sola scriptura, which means that ultimately the Bible is our is our ultimate authority for life. It doesn't yep. mean that there aren't other authorities. There are, but ultimately everything gets gets understood in relation to that. It is the final authority. Which was a response to the magisterium, the papal office, the right. tradition of the church. And, the and magisterium is, is scripture the up Catholic teaching office, whether it's the bishops, the archbishops, the cardinals, and ultimately the pope who are in charge of determining what Catholic theology is. So that's one of them. Sola gratia is by grace alone. We are saved by God's grace alone. Sola Fides, which means by faith alone, which is one of the, the the turning point when it comes down to the nitty gritties. I think ultimately sola scripture is probably the most important one, but sola faith, sola faith, sola fides, <laughs> by faith alone. It's a new, it's a new, it's a new phrase. I like that. Sola de gloria, glory to God alone, which I think, I don't know how you can not, if, if you're good, if you, Catholics are consistent in the sense of if they have to complete their salvation and ultimately their justification by being obedient to Christ, I think some of that would, even though it's it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, the way you live your life, I still think they would have to give some reward to to people. So I don't think they could believe in glory to God alone in, yep. in the way that in the way that we could. Yep. And then solus Christus, which would be by Christ alone. Did we say that one? Nope, that was the, that was the fifth the, one, right? That was the last one. So, I mean, let me like translate in, ter- in terms of why these were so revolutionary. So, I'm going to create a straw man argument for a moment. So, say I'm a Roman Catholic, and uh, I say it's not Scripture alone. It's Scripture, tradition, and magisterium. I say it's not by grace alone. It's by grace plus my works. It's not by faith alone. It's by faith plus my works. Although my faith is... Uh, even my ability to do it is, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It, it's not by Christ alone. It's by Christ and my works. It's not by, uh, it's not for the glory of God alone, because if it's by my own works, then I can take some credit for it. Now, obviously, no good Roman Catholic would ever take glory for their salvation. That would not be whatever. But you can see how the Protestants, so what they did is they came in and they said, all right, let's 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 basically, like, obviously, Martin Luther probably didn't come up with the five solos, but they came to the Reformation cry, if you will, and said, it's scripture alone. Uh, it's by Christ alone. You played no part in it. It's by faith alone, which is the gift of God. Um, that's the evidence of your salvation. Um, it, it is, uh, what, what am I missing here? Uh, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone. Help me out here. Uh, God gets all the glory for this. You get none of yeah. the glory. There's a fifth one that I'm missing here. Let's go. Scripture, grace, faith, Jesus, glory of God. Yep, there we go. There we go. I think I got them all. And, and all of these, I mean, the Catholics... Were the Roman Catholics at the time were they knew what the Protestants meant when they said it. it? It was a rebellion, it was a revolution, and it took over fast. And it spoke to the heart of the common man who wanted to know how do I know if I'm going to go to heaven? And and the answer was trust in Christ and what He did for you. Um, that's what the scriptures teach. And Rome would say, no, you have to do a lot of good works. And uh, it was very two very different messages. So I think the answer to the question is, I mean, the, the Reformation is not over. I would say, even though we have probably come together on some issues but but uh and have agreement but the most basic ones i would say are still issues that we're divided over mm-hmm. so the reformation continues in the sense that we are 
we feel that we still have the need to, of course, reform ourselves, but also reform God's church. Yep. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, I mean, the, the the cry of every Protestant would be that the Roman Catholics would come into the fold and, and believe in justification by faith alone. I honestly think if that one doctrine shifted, it would, it, it's like a domino. It affects so many other doctrines, like their views on baptism and purgatory evolved out of an errant view of justification. And you can watch historically how the, the Roman Catholic ideas started to, you know, build uh, negatively with that wrong foundation. But, um, so, but today though, we get to celebrate that we have a spiritual heritage of protesting, of slamming 95 theses under the door. And then I imagine him just... <laughs> Yeah, taking a big hammer. Da, da. I, I, I would love to uh, know where that idea came from. I don't know if he actually nailed the ninety-five theses on the door, but and all the pictures Makes you see a him story. with, a, with yeah. a, a hammer and a nail, put it on there. Yeah, they don't they don't have the 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 painting of him handing over his theses to the person in charge. That's not as interesting. Yep, I think an interesting um, fallout of the Reformation is that there are so many different expressions of Christianity all over the world. And uh, so many different versions of it. And with that comes a lot of error and a lot of problems. Um, but with it also comes the checks and balances and uh, the word of God in the hands of the common man. So, well, we should continue to protest against uh, um, anyone who denies salvation by grace through faith for the glory of God alone. I completely agree. Just to add on to your life, you know, there's been a lot of people writing and thinking and just kind of uh, just uh, talking about what are some of the implications of the Reformation. And a lot of people say that our secular age, by secular, I just mean um, common, non-miraculous, everyday, that that is the result of the of the Reformation. So Apart the from its spiritual heritage, yes, only, only because they would say that it allows the average person to think we have freedom apart from mm. the church. And so the materialism, individualism, and in some ways, the American form of government, which Calvin said you have to have the separation of powers because of his doctrine of sin, that you don't want to have too much power in one person. These are all implications mm. of that. It, I was reading, just kind of going over Twitter last night, and the New York Times editorial um, editors, they have like five or six of them, and two of them are conservative, and uh, David Brooks and Ross Dutat, who is a Catholic, and David Brooks is actually part of Tim Keller's church, or closely connected to him. And he said, the conservative guy said, he kind of put this out for today's day, that that the Reformation brought Trump. And I think what he means is that when you take power <laughs> away from, and his view, he's he's a very conservative Catholic. Well, it's it's funny, but he was actually deadly serious well, in, I that, he was. in that, that when you let the power to the people that you end up doing something like this. So, I mean, whether or not you like or don't like Trump, maybe like, yeah, that's great because I like Trump. And other people are like, oh, I don't like Trump. So therefore this is a bad implication of it, but there is a it's lot the of implication of a And then someone else said, and, and the result of, of, of the counter-reformation is the French Revolution, which by all accounts, a lot more people died and you had the churches basically thrown out of power mm. influence in, in France. and Which and, is why they're all liberal and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, sort of. But the last thing I just want to say is that the Reformation is not over in the sense of everything that you and I have said, we have to defend. Mm. So there's always that from generation to generation. Yep. But one of the calls of the, of the Reformation was to always be reforming. There's going to be new roadblocks, new stumbling blocks, new things that that we're going to have to use the Bible to say, is this right or wrong? Which is the best way to live? Mm. And that's not easy, especially in today's age where as we get farther and farther away from the Bible, there's harder and harder um, cultural um, roadblocks to encounter. It takes mm. not only the Bible, but it takes the church and a bunch of people 
under the power of the Spirit coming together to be able to continue to be reforming. Yep. Well, can I close with the story? Uh, I grew up as a Protestant. And what are you going to say? No, Michael, you can't close with the story. Of course you can. <laughs> of course I, you can. <laughs> I can't wait for this. <laughs> so I grew up as a Protestant uh, and I went to a Catholic school from first grade to 12th grade, all boys Catholic high school. And and uh, you know it was pretty clear in second grade. Everyone went up to take the communion, take their first communion, and I didn't. And they all had to walk past me, and I sat down, and and uh, it was uncomfortable. But it, it really formed something good in me. It formed in me that I am different. It's okay to be different. Um, kind of put some spiritual hair on my chest, if you will. It made me a little more durable. And so, um, but uh, I remember wrestling in because uh, we had Bible class from first grade all the way to twelfth grade, um, theology classes in high school, and. And uh, I remember um, really struggling, just being young, not really understanding everything. Um, and and I asked my mom just a really simple question. I was like, like, how do I know? And my big my big question is Martin Luther's. How do I know I'm going to go to heaven? Which is kind of the cry of like every everyone. I don't want to go to hell. And it, once you realize there is a heaven and a hell, you want to do whatever you can to not go to hell. And especially as a kid. And so my mom just gave me one rule, and she said, "Here's what we all agree on. We all agree the Bible is true." And it's God's word. So whatever they say, use the Bible. And if they can't show it to you in scripture, then hold off. And if they can show it to you in scripture, then believe it. And it was this incredible like advice that she gave me. But this is this is the advice that is the overflow of the Reformation. Um, where is that in scripture? Uh, why do you believe that? Show, show that to me in the word of God. This Sunday after church, uh, I think this kid is 16 years old. Awesome kid comes up to me and he says, hey, in your sermon, you said this, this, and this, and this. Can you prove that with scripture? And I was like, dude, that is an awesome question. That is the effect of the Reformation. Uh, when you put the scriptures in the hands of the common people and they're able to see what the scripture alone teaches, um, then justification by faith alone begins to leap off the pages of scripture. It becomes this beautiful doctrine. And as a second and third and fourth grader, hearing that I'm saved by being good in Catholic school, um, it was one of the most freeing doctrines for me. And you could see why the masses in Martin Luther's time loved him because he proclaimed to them a gospel that was actually really good news, which is what the word means. So I'm grateful to my mom who um, she left the Roman Catholic Church because she saw that um, the doctrine of salvation was not consistent with scripture. And uh, she kept putting me back to the scriptures. Open the Bible. Open the Bible. What does the Bible say? Changed my life. And uh, ever since then, I've loved the gospel um, that is found in the word of God, which is justification by grace alone, through faith alone. It's a gift of God. And I have no reason to boast. Amen. Amen. All right. So tomorrow... Uh, my wife is going to be with us, and we're going to be answering questions about women in ministry. It's going to be a blast. In fact, today was supposed to be her episode, but we moved a whole bunch of stuff around. So, Jeremy, lucky you. Tomorrow, come back. Submission right there, huh? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Ish. That was a joke. <laughs> it's just a special day. That's it today. <laughs> Anyways, uh, join us tomorrow, and we're going to have a great time this week talking about women in ministry. Women in ministry.